Welcome to Mental Awareness Discussion, the MAD Podcast, with Miles Weber, Heather Weber, and Susan Thompson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MAD Podcast, the Mental Awareness Discussion. My name is Miles Weber. I'll be your host for this podcast, as always. And as always, with me is my lovely co-host on this podcast and in life, my wife, Heather Weber. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm fantastic. Awesome. Good to hear it. Holding down the downstairs of our house as I take the top half. Uh, and we are always brought to you by Broken Gift Productions and Banana Bros. Make sure you follow them online on all the social medias at Broken Gift Productions and at AZ Banana Bros. Today I'm rocking the Cooking with Comedians shirt. So make sure you go on YouTube and check out the Cooking with Comedians episodes. I made a uh, French toast with the Banana Bros kids. And so that was a lot of fun because most people don't know that I know how to make anything, let alone like regular toast, let alone make it French. So check out all the cool content online by Broken Drift Productions and Banana Bros. Today on our podcast, today we are going to be talking more about PTSD, the many different faces of it. I am here with very hilarious Las Vegas based comedian, Jay Devin. Jay, how you doing, man? Good, man. Can't complain. Right on, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate you coming on and being willing to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, you said that you served in the military, so why don't you let everybody watching and listening know a little rundown about your military past? Um, I joined the Marine Corps in uh, 1989, um, right out of high school, and... Uh, Went through my recruit training and ended up in uh, Desert Storm. Damn. Yeah. For about uh, for about seven, seven and a half months. I was in Desert Storm. Man. Yeah. That'll do. That'll do. Goodness gracious. And well, first of all, thank you for your service. Always. Uh, yeah. We're always very appreciative of anybody who is willing to protect our country. Um, so, yeah, I just do dick jokes, man. That's that's about my capacity <laughs> for for being able to. That's my threshold, man. So, yeah. So, yeah, man, m more power to you, man. That's that's wild. Uh, but let's get into the PTSD aspect of things. And we usually like to kind of start things off by attacking from a perspective of what are some common misconceptions with your type of PTSD that you've either heard people talk about or discussed in the media or portrayed in the media? Are there any things where you've seen or heard and you're like, yeah, that's that's not what it's like. And then maybe you could shed some light on more what it is like. Um, to be completely honest, I, you know, uh, I think that a lot of people just don't, I think that a lot of people don't really understand how, um, how it translates to, you know, just, first of all, let me just say this. It's very difficult to make the transition from the military to the civilian world, regardless, yeah. you know, without, without PTSD. If you just, you know, you serve a certain amount of time, um, there's a lot that you, there's a lot of jobs that you can do in the military that once you get out, there's really no, there's no uh, civilian equivalent, if you will. Yes. I was saying that it's already a difficult transition from, you know, military into civilian life, even if you're just, you know, without the extra stuff. Um, I don't know that I've ever really heard any misconceptions regarding PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, other than the fact that whether people think it's real or not, 
you know, mm-hmm. I mean, which sounds weird, but yeah, people just don't think that it's, that, ex- that it exists. They think that if you go into the military, you are, that's just a part of being in the, you know, that's just a part of being a, a military member, you know, and going to war and things of that sort. Um, unfortunately for me, when I came back, I didn't address mine right away. Um, I spent a number of years, well, initially I just wanted to not have anything to do with the Marine Corps. Um, and that was just based on my experiences, you know, uh, after desert storm, I came back to the, I came back stateside. Um, I had some issues with racism in my unit, uh, which soured me big time because as a Marine, uh, one of the things that you hear all the time is band of brothers. That's Mm -hmm. basically what we are. So when I came back and I experienced some of the racism that I did in my unit and then found out that it wasn't uh, exclusive to my unit, there were so many other Marines, uh, you know, uh, minority Marines going through the same thing. It soured me to the whole thing, which is eventually why I got out, you know, after seven and a half years. Um, so I didn't even address my PTSD. Mine was, uh, mine was a series of events. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, I would have like nightmares and I'd wake up, you know, fighting and she caught a lot of lefts and rights, you know, in my sleep because of that. So much so to where when she would, she could, she started being able to hear me, you know, having these dreams and she'd wake up before, you know, I could, you know, lose it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It was probably, if I got out in 97, it was probably close to 15 years before I finally, you know, uh, reconnected to the VA and got diagnosed with PTSD. Mm. So, yeah. Um, did the, did you have enough support through the VA dealing with the PTSD or was that a battle too? Initially, no. Yeah. Okay. Initially, not at all. Initially, um, I went through. So if I if I went back to the VA in 2012, um, that was kind of my reconnecting to the VA. Um, and, and, and it was probably maybe 2015. So maybe like three years went by. And, and my case had gone through, you know, uh, so many different channels to get the diagnosis of, PC, of, of PTSD. Wow. So, yeah, they didn't uh, initially didn't even acknowledge it. And then, like I said, before I had to go through three or four different reps to finally have them say, OK, yeah, you have PTSD. Wow. Um, and mine was... Uh, Mine was, um, and I'm still to this day, I don't like people to stand behind me. Um, you know, I'm very, I'm very aware of people, you know, like behind, I, that's, that's, that's probably my biggest one is I don't like people to stand behind me. Um, I still, I'm very, uh, noises don't bother me as much as they used to, um, but I don't like the sound of gunshots. Mm-hmm. at all um that's an automatic trigger for me mm-hmm. so it's uh yeah it's those are my two biggest ones yeah i know i've heard a, a lot um of veterans like with ptsd that fireworks are a big 
yeah. trigger for them. Ironically, yeah, like Fourth of July, uh, that's that's the irony of it all. It's like it's the America Day, and a exactly. day that you would you would like to give respect to our veterans as we should, uh, and then you're just getting set off in all different kinds of kinds of ways. And, man. and my wild. my wife's family is a fireworks family. Oh goodness gracious! So we man. go to we go to um, they live in the Bay Area, uh, Antioch. Okay. And um, so that we go to Antioch every year for the 4th of July. It's also my nephew's birthday who's in one of the pictures behind me. Yeah. So it's also her nephew's birthday. And so um, the 4th of July is a big thing. I'm usually in the room, you know, in the dark, just away from it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Uh, I do want to, because I mean, I want to talk a little bit about you kind of getting reintroduced back into society and what that initial sensation was like uh just because you talked about not being able to be like snuck up on or people standing behind you with certain mm-hmm. different triggers and things like that did you have did you notice anything about being reintroduced to society when you were in like public places you know i mean because what you're describing sounds a lot like a friend of mine who did time in prison for years and when he got out he had a lot of the same issues that you're having not being able to be crept up on. He was real weary about going to the grocery store at certain times of the yeah. day. He would just shop overnight and everything. So, what was it like, kind of reintroducing yourself to back into society after that? Um, for years, and and I was actually telling my wife this for years. Every room that I walked into, I would you know like do a quick you know Circle. who doesn't belong here. You know what I mean? Like, why does that guy have on a jacket and it's fucking June, you know what I mean? Mm. So I'm like, everything, I, I see everything. And I still, to this day, have moments where I walk into a room and I can, you know, close my eyes, you know, and tell you what's going on in that room, you know? Wow. So that is probably the biggest thing for me was, um, yeah, and that used to be the first thing I did when I walked into any room was just, you know, who doesn't belong here? Who, who, who might I have to, you know, you know, be careful of yeah. in this, you know, in this environment. And it was everywhere I went. It was, you know, like you said, it was in the grocery store. It was at, you know, a bar I walked into. It was at, um, you know, it everywhere. Everywhere I walked into, I was on the defensive. You know, I was just like ready for something to happen. Yeah. So yeah, that was probably my biggest, you know, my biggest thing is the tra- transitioning back into the civilian world. Yeah, man. And this, but there's just so many frustrations with this whole thing that you went through. I mean, first of all, like the racism experience in the military, which I just, I don't understand racism in the first place in the military. It's like, homie, we're on the same team. Like we're all, we all have a common goal. Like if you really think in, in introducing any type of hate in this scenario for our, like you said, our band of brothers, you know, I mean, if you think that's going to help us win, you're terribly mistaken. So, I mean, it just doesn't make sense for that to happen. And everything you're describing about what you experienced on the way out for many years, and it still took you like three years before they were like, fine, you've got PTSD. Like, guys, what are we doing here? Like, how does this make sense? So yeah, how did you find, did you find any ways to cope with the frustrations of what is this that I'm experiencing? Is this normal? Like, did you see a therapist Um, or seek any counseling or anything? You know what, when it was happening, uh, like I was, you know, uh, well, you were here, I'm sorry. I was gonna say like I was telling your wife because she was on the screen when I was talking. (laughs) Um, 
I, I, you know what? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, like I said before, I knew it was going on. Um, I didn't know what it was at that time. Uh, I remember probably getting out in 90. It, it actually probably started even before I got out, but I definitely remember once I was out the dreams, you know, so every night I'd wake up. I, I still do, you know, it's not as, it's not as bad as it used to be, but you know, I can call my wife in here right now. And she'll tell you that, you know, she's been hit a few times, you know, where I've just, just, you know, and, and she, not, you know, she's now we're, she hears me, you know, mumbling or something. And then, you know, uh, hell, there's a hole in our bedroom wall right now mm. uh, from about three months ago where I woke up and was, you know, sleepwalking and, you know, took a shot at the wall. Um, so it's still going on. You know, it's still something that I'm working through. But uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's I, and, and I don't know, you know. I mean, I've never heard of anybody saying they they stop having it, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what scares me more than anything, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've been out the Marine Corps now for 24 years. I got out of 97. So uh, 24 years, um, you know, and so I'm still, you know, and I mean, and if I want to go back even further than that, I left as a storm in 1990 you know, 90, 91. So now we're talking about 30 years that, you know, I'm still here. Yeah. So, yeah it's, when it's, it's when a, you got out and everything started, did you talk to anybody else that was um, like in, in there with you that if they were going through it too, or did you just kind of um, keep it to yourself? I had a friend of mine who was there with me. Um, he got out in 94, I think. 95 um he'd been in a couple years before me so he went he was in from 86 to 94 he did eight years as well um he and i stayed connected when he got out when i got out he ended up uh, committing suicide in 2001 so he just he never you know he never recovered and uh you know it was just so i mean and i don't think i've really talk to anybody other than that other than you know my VA rep um I've been in therapy myself now for you know or have been in therapy for about uh well on and off since I was about 31 so about 19 years I'll be 50 this year um Mm -hmm. in November so 19 years I've been in therapy myself and so I've talked to my therapist about it you know and but I but no other soldiers I've really had a chance to talk to um here and there you know I've had conversations with different guys at the VA and stuff, but just, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that we know, uh, we have a friend who was in the Marines and he served and he's got the situations where like him and his wife have said where she's woken up and he's like, got her around the neck and she's yeah. like, got to slowly talk him down and like bring him back to reality and everything. And so, yeah, this, this, this very much so is a common thing. Uh, mm-hmm. the process of getting a good therapist. I think that's also something people kind of sleep on and don't understand that process. People think like you go into therapy, you just walk right in. You're like, this is dope. All right, let's start working on some shit. And uh, a lot of times it's not the case. You know, you, sometimes you got to have a lot of trial and error and really like 
work with a therapist that you connect with. But also I know like in the black community, it's really difficult to find like black mental health professionals, or at least now I'm seeing more and more start There's to more get into and more it. Now. Yeah. More and more now it's becoming a more prevalent thing, but can you uh, shine some light on your experience on getting linked up with a good therapist? Was it yeah. difficult for you? Um, initially it was, and, and you reminded me of something else that I wanted to address. Yeah. A lot of times with PTSD, what also happens is that, you know, most of us come into our adulthood with trauma already, you know, our parents, you know, whatever, some, you know, you know, maybe you were molested as a child, you know, I went through that. Uh, my mother was an addict. So I already had trauma before I even joined the Marine Corps. And then to top that off with PTSD, exactly. So now it's just this, you know, this, this downhill, you know, shitstorm of, you know, um, by the time I was, when I was 31, uh, my oldest son's mother was the one who suggested therapy for me. Mm. And up to that point, again, as you said, you know, therapy in the black community is, it's, just, it's a topic that we don't talk about, you know, yeah. we pray everything away, you know, <laughs> we, we, we're like, oh, Facts. you know, He's, there's nothing wrong with him. He just needs good. He just needs Jesus, you know, yep. whatever. So we, yep. we pray everything away. Um, there used to be a lady in one of my neighborhoods I hung out a lot in when I was growing up in Northern California. And she was just like, I ain't nothing Jesus can't fix. You just need to put exactly. a little bit of Jesus on that. And I'm just like, yeah. I mean, like, can we put something else on it? Like, maybe let's just try something else. And then maybe if exactly. that doesn't work, we'll call Jesus in. But like, let's try another thing first. So that's wild. But that's it's, right. it's, it's an open wound. I don't know if Jesus yeah. is going to be able to fix that. Um, yeah. So, uh, so of course, you know, I, I ran into that. Uh, uh, shout out to my oldest son's mother, who for all the issues that we've had, uh, if not for her, the, you know, I wouldn't have started the process. Um, and so my first therapist was white. Um, he was very good, but I just didn't, you know, you know, he just didn't, you know, we just never really connected, you know, on a, yes. on a clinical level, he knew, you know, he's very good on a clinical level. Um, you know, but as I got further into my therapy, um, I moved and then had my second therapist who was an older white woman, uh, probably in her mid sixties or whatever. Um, and, and she was, uh, also someone who had gone through the, you know, the movement with Dr. King and, and all of that stuff. So, you know, she was uh, able to relate to me in that regard, but still not, uh, you know, my first black therapist, I was probably 41. Okay. So I had been in therapy for about 10 years. And then I had a, a black therapist who I was seeing for quite some time. And I actually still wish I could see her, but you know, she's in LA. Um, and she was the first one to really be able to understand me, I thought, on, you know, the clinical level and just what it is to be, you know, a, a black person in America, a black man in America, especially. Um, and she probably was able to get the most, I probably got the most out of my therapy with her than, you know, all of my other therapists. Uh, my wife and I, before we got married, we went and saw another, you know, black therapist, um, and she was someone who helped us both get through, you know, some things that we needed to get through before we uh, got married. So, um, yeah, I think it's important for us anyway, you know, for, 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 for black people, I think it's very important 
you know, and I don't, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think I've, you know, talked to miles enough or whatever. I'm never like that, you know, you know I mean? I'm not that. Oh, for sure. But it's different. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's but different. It's definitely. Yeah. But it's definitely different. You know what I mean? I don't just walk around like, Oh, you know, I'm black and you know, whatever. I'm blackity black, you know, whatever. I don't, that's not me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I, I'm definitely black, but I mean, uh, on that level, I think it's very important that uh, you have someone, uh, you know, who can speak to you on your level. You know. sure. they, they understand the foundation. You know, she knows the the ingredients and the crust of the trauma pie that is, yes. mm-hmm. you know, being black in America. Come to being black, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, to be able to understand that foundation, you, I feel like, have a way better understanding to link and connect with everything else because it's an understood. Oh yeah, I already know what you go through on the daily exactly. with just this part. So putting all this on top of it, it will, I think that, and that's why black therapists are so important for the black community to be able to help better navigate the waters. I mean, like we could exactly. keep going to black lives matter rallies. So we're blue in the face. It's not going to give us the experience. We're not going to be able to be transported and grow up in a black body in an yeah. area where things might be coming in out of you uh, every single which way. So I'm, I'm glad that we're able to talk about this because this is something that I've talked to white people about. They're just like, oh, just go get a therapist. I'm like, homie, it's not that easy. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. no, there's, there's levels to the oh. game here, man, for sure, for sure. So um, what were the things that you found to be very helpful once you started going to therapy? Were there any uh, techniques or coping mechanisms where you're like, oh, that really clicked for me. Was there a moment where the light kind of went on and you started to feel like, oh, this, this can get better. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'll share this because this just happened. Okay. Um, I started going to therapy, like I said, when I was 31 years old and, uh, every therapist that I went, uh, so the very first therapist I ever went to, um, he gave me a book called uh, Healing the Shame That Binds Us. Um, I still have a copy of that on my iPad now because I lost the hard copy of it. Uh, that book helped a lot. That book definitely helped a lot uh, because again, I had been molested. That was something that I had held in for a number of years. And uh, so when I finally started addressing that, that was kind of like the first step. Um, one of the things that all of my therapists had said to me was that the final step for me was going to be addressing my mother mm. and what she, you know, what she had done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of verbal, physical, mental abuse, you know, just, I, I took it from my mom on the chin, you know, I was, mm-hmm. I looked like my dad, you know, all that good shit, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're black, you understand, you know what I mean? And probably if you're white too, you know, you just, you know, um, it, it didn't help that I looked just like my dad. Yeah. Um, I just, had that conversation with my mother last Monday. Yeah. That's huge. I literally just had to, and my, because my mother was a drug addict and uh, when I I finally, when I finally started to address it, uh, you know, and uh, in every relationship I've been in, I've always had this place where I can't get by, where I can't get past, you know, and then my fight or flight kicks in. Like I can't, I can't find that next level of loving my mate and allowing my mate to love me the way that, you know, two people who are in that type of relationship need to love each other. And I knew this. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife and I just celebrated a year married. 
And this is my third marriage. Uh, it's my third marriage. Don't don't give it too much congratulations. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I failed at this shit twice. This one's um, the charm, man. This yeah, one's yeah, the charm. Exactly. Here we go. Here we go. Um, no, it's my third marriage. Uh, but we just made a year in July. And with that, a lot of pressure came for me because now here's this woman who, you know, we've been together for four years, uh, but now we're married and and she pretty much knows everything about me. You know, like we don't have any secrets. We talk openly. We're very transparent, very unfit. It's the best relationship I've ever had. But then I was like, oh, shit, she might know too much about me, you know, and it scared me for her to know everything about me. And so I started to find myself, you know, uh, reverting back to some of my old habits Mm -hmm. and, you know, shutting myself down and not, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were just going through it, just having like these, all these little fights about nothing, you know, just, just, you know, and it was mostly me. I know I'm just going to admit that it was me, you know, uh, trying to give her a reason to not be with me because I didn't feel like I deserved her. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing my best to make her be the one to walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is from my lack of getting love from the person that I thought that I should have been getting it from, who was my mother. And so after a weekend of this, you know, uh, we woke up Monday morning and my, and my wife said, call your mom. Like, I'm not going to spend another day in this relationship without you calling your mom. And I picked up the phone and it was like four tons in my hand, you know, and it was ringing and I wanted it to go to voicemail. And, you know, and I was just, and my mom answered and, you know, 25 minute conversation and my mother, bless her heart. You know, she listened, she understood. Um, and the hardest thing for me was that my mother was a drug addict. So I know that a lot of the things that she did, she didn't, you know, they weren't done. You know what I'm saying? She wasn't doing them. It was the, yeah. the addiction. That's And so the hardest thing for me to do was hold her accountable for that. Because again, you know, now I'm talking to her 20, you know, 20 plus years clean and I'm not talking to the same person who I you know who who did all those things to me 35 years ago, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was always the block for me, mm-hmm. you know, talking to her. But I finally got it out of the way, and um, the last two weeks have been utterly amazing. Good. You know? yeah. That's huge. That's I commend you for that because that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy conversation to have. And especially like you said, it's, you know, a different person now, but you're still carrying it. And so you need to get that out. Exactly. And, and shout out to my mom for allowing it, you know, Mm -hmm. like she didn't try to shut me down. She didn't dispute it. She literally was just there to listen and, you know, apologize for who she was at that time. And that made it, you know, somewhat easier for me to you know, but yeah, that was, and that was it. That was the last dragon for me to slay. And so, you know, now it's just hopefully, um, you know, just getting better from here. Yeah. Start start chipping away at the other things, you know I mean? Like, because I mean, that's, that's such one that you've had for so long, you know, because I mean, and I'm so happy that you were able to get that apology because that is that's that's such 
for a lot of people, that's a really fundamental part in the healing process and being able to let go of those things that happen where you can actually, we're doing the dance, like, hey, this is how I feel. And then the person does the dance of remorse. And it's like, okay, now we've both done this thing. But then some people have to learn the superpower of how do you forgive someone who isn't sorry for what they did? Yeah. Because you can't just keep holding on to things like that that are so heavy for the rest of your life. It'll affect your relationships. It'll affect your health overall and your well-being. I mean, just to to carry stuff around your life like a Disney villain, you know, just these 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 grudges and just accumulating them and just kind of tossing them in the backpack, as it were. It's really hard, but I'm I'm glad that you got that. And now you're seeing, like you said, it felt like a two-ton brick in your hand, that phone, just being able to call, like, I know what this conversation is going to mean. And the fact that you now have left that conversation, that interaction feeling lighter, feeling more positive, you know what I mean? The fact that your wife now, good on her for being like, this is where I'm at right now. This is a thing that needs to happen for me to be able yeah. to continue to go on because she saw that it was going to be really, really helpful for you to process that and be able to work through it. And like I said, good on your mom also for being able to meet you exactly where you're at, man. That's beautiful, man. I'm so happy for it. It's, it's funny that you mentioned the backpack because that's literally what it felt like, you know, just even as I like immediately when I said what I had to say to my mom, it was like, you know, finally, you know, yeah. and you know, I, I'd been, I'd been bent over all those years, you know what I'm saying? Cause I had this weight on me. And so I'm looking down here trying to navigate life from here. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it was over, it was just like, Oh shit, this is what the world looks like. You know what I mean? And then, and then the other, the other, the other thing, and I was, and I've been saying this for the last two weeks is, now I have to figure out who I am without the trauma. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. I've, I've, I've created a pretty good life with the trauma. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've you know, I've done pretty damn good with, with, with the trauma, you know, Marine Corps, you know, played a little semi-pro basketball in my heyday, uh, you know, accounting for 25 years, stand-up comedy, you know, whatever. I've, I've done pretty damn good without that, you know, beautiful family, all the whole nine yards. And now it's like, okay, who am I without the trauma though? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, how much, how much more amazing can I be without the trauma? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, and that, but, and, but now it's also, I can't use that shit as an excuse anymore. You know what I mean? For years, it was always my, you know, my eighth, my, my, my sleeve card, you know, just, Oh, well, here's my trauma. This is why I'm reacting like this, or this is why I'm acting like this, or this is why I'm this. Now it's like, you don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Now you got to figure out how to, navigate life without that so so that's been you know my last couple of weeks has been just you know it's it's been up and down but you know more up and down but yeah and I think it'll also be interesting for you to see what happens with your comedy now when you're not holding on to that trauma anymore because I feel like so much of comedy is you know, people going through trauma and turning that into into humor so I think that's also going to be interesting for you to see is how it shifts a different way now Yes. Oh, yeah, it's it's a process. Like you said, you had uh, lived so long with the trauma and painted this beautiful life, we kind of become this character of ourselves. And then when that old version gets shedded, it is like a new rebirth of like, well, who am I now without this thing? And you didn't know how much you used to lean on that in in your interactions and everything. So I mean, it's a it's it's kind of scary in a weird way that you know you you move forward and you're like you feel this relief but then almost like this nakedness of just like oh well 
I mean, but you you took away my cape. Like, I mean, like, I felt like I had a little bit of like a, like this fuck you cape, you know? And I mean, now I don't have that anymore. And so, yeah, man, I think once you're able to kind of get your bearings in the new you, uh, from there on, I think that there's nowhere to go but up as you keep on chipping away at things, man. Absolutely. It's very exciting. Um, What do you think... As far as support, because that's always a big thing that we like to stick the landing with on our podcast is when you're a person who has some type of disorder or some type of mental illness or something that's going on with you mentally, what do you think is the thing that made you feel the most support from your family and loved ones when you were going through things just as a way of people on the outside looking in to be there for their family or loved ones who might have some type of PTSD or somebody who knows somebody who served and is going through something that's similar to your cases that you've talked to us about yeah. today. What were the things that really meant a lot to you that people did to um, for you? I, 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 <clears throat> excuse me. I have to be completely transparent and just, I've never, you know I mean? I never shared, you know what mm. I mean? Like, I think people knew, but just didn't, you know, um, it wasn't until my wife, mm-hmm. uh, who, again, we met in 2016. And I was, you know, 44, going on 45 when I met. Um, so I've never really even gave anybody a chance, you know what I mean? Like to really, you know, to really help me out, if you will, or support me, Um but she's been amazing. You know, she, you know, she saw right away that I had, you know, this stuff going on. And, um, you know, I remember one of the very first times I had the nightmares that we, you know, that we slept when we slept on, on, on a night that we slept together. And she asked me about it, you know, and I told her like, this is what's going on, blah, blah, whatever. Um, and from there, I, I, I want to say that, you know, her, goal was to get me through it you know Mm -hmm. her goal became like how do we get you to not you know not how do we get you not here um so you know i was already going to the va i'd already addressed all that stuff um but i got back into therapy you know i had been out of therapy for a while and so i got back into therapy with her um individual and you know couples as a as a couple um leading up to us you know getting married and whatnot um, yeah, I mean, she's been, you know, I, again, it was just something that I never really addressed with a whole lot of people to have a support group, you know, mm-hmm. and, and had I done it, maybe, you know, it, it might've been, you know, might've gone a little bit different, but unfortunately I didn't, you know, I, you know, like there's a bunch of us, you know, who, who just kind of, you know, keep it to ourselves. You know what I mean? We, we kind of silently go through this thing or we, you know, we may have one or two Marine Corps buddies or military buddies. Um, and unfortunately, like you said, at the top of the pot, at the, at the top of the uh, you know show, a lot of people, if you have not been through it, you just don't get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's hard to, you know, impress upon people, you know, what it is, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like they, you hear PTSD, you know it, you know, you, you've seen movies about it, you, whatever, you, you know, but unless you're there, unless you, you know, unless you've experienced it, it's very difficult to really grasp, like, just what it, you know, what it is, what it does to you. And I think that's the hardest thing and why so many people don't share because, you know, we just don't know, you know, if people were really, you know, 
if people will really understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. And also I, I, I would like to point out how cool it is because you met your wife, like you said, when you were 44, right? Is that what you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like a lot of young people today in their 20s just feel like the sky is falling constantly, all the time. <laughs> and there's so much stress and so many different traumatic things that are popping off and happening all the time. And so many people will get so lost in the hope, <clears throat> the hopelessness of like, can it possibly get better? But to to be able to look at the whole grand scheme of your life and then to be able to say, oh, I kept on living and kept moving forward and kept trying to do better. And then when I was 44, that person walked in. Yes. That changed everything. I think that's such an awesome thing to relay to people to be like, hey, man, wherever you're at in your journey right now, keep on living, keep on putting in the work and just wait till tomorrow. You don't have to do anything hostile to yourself today. You don't yeah. have to lose hope today because you don't know who is laying in the wings on the side of the stage. We're ready to just come in and burst into your life and change it all for the better, man. It could happen at any age. Just keep on yeah. living keep you know your eyes open and your, your ear to the ground and that person's gonna come along that will have a piece of the puzzle that you've never actually considered and contemplated before so that's really really dope man that uh you guys in your relationship she's been able to be there and try and understand you because at the end of the day we all want to be understood like you said it's really mm -hmm. hard it. to put it into words and and it even if a person is incapable of actually understanding because they've never been through it the effort the the actual effort to show up every day and go no how can i understand you one percent more today just one percent yeah. i'd be over the moon at yeah that's really love man that's dope. and i think that kind of like goes into what you were saying about what reason that you weren't opening up to people is i feel like also a lot of people weren't asking yeah. i'd imagine when you mm -hmm. got back and when you're going through things so i think it's also you know if you're not serving but if you know people serving ask questions and cre create space for them to open up to you definitely yeah yeah i think we're only now in 2021 almost 2022 getting to the point where people are going to be like hey how are you actually like really yeah. like no not like that oh i'm fine like no 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 no, no. that's cool how are you really oh not okay it, it's funny it's funny that you mentioned that because i actually have a um I actually have a bit that i do from a friend of mine who asks me how's my mental oh. and and i'd never been asked that question before you know and i'm like you know like really you know like this and and it just but it makes you you know but it's you know, and you can't just say you know fine you know what mm -hmm. i mean like it's like it's like how's your mental like you know that nobody's ever asked me that you know i'm blown away i'm like what, what is that you know what i mean just it's uh you know but it but it challenges you you know what i'm saying at that point now you're challenged to go you know what how is my mentor you know what i mean like just you know um so yeah i think that's it's, you know i think that's where we're headed is that people are becoming more um conscious yes. of you know people around them you know where you know, we grew up in an era, you know, again, I'm almost 50 year, but 30, late 30s, 40. Nah, my 30s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, and we just grew up in an era where people didn't care. You know what I mean? We just, you know, we, you know, we, well, we went from people caring to people not caring. And now we're back to people caring again, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. you know people cared in the, in the, in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and, you know, whatever. And then somewhere around the 70s, 
you know, LSD and heroin made us not give a fuck, you know, <laughs> just mm-hmm. like we don't mm-hmm. care, you know, and that lasted for about 40 years. And now we're back to that, you know, we care now, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's because now everything is, you know, I mean, I, I, for as much as I don't like the, the PC culture and, and all the stuff that's, you know, kind of happened with that. I also do love the fact that, you know, our generation, you know, my daughter's age and, and these young cats now are embracing, you know, they don't want to live like we lived for so long, you know, nah. they don't want to, they don't, they don't want to hate, you know what I'm saying? They don't want racism. They don't want, you know, to be discriminated because of their, you know, sexual preferences and all that. Sort of that. And so that's amazing to me that, you know, that they're taking the torch and saying, look, you know, look, you guys fucked the world up for the last, you know, 50 years or so, you know, now it's time for us to fix this shit, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I love it. So yeah. That's definitely. Dope. That's dope. We're coming in a hot man. We're changing the world for the better. Well, Jay, I want to thank you so much for being so open and honest and candid with your experience, man. I think this is really going to be eye opening and helpful to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. And uh, so I appreciate you, man. Definitely. Thanks yeah, for no doubt, on. Man. And uh, let people know where they can follow you online so they can come out and check you out, man. Uh, um, Jay Devon, man. My name, J-A-Y-E-D-E-V-A-N on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook. Twitter. Uh, you type in Jay Devon. I'm Googleable, I think. Perfect. Um, it pop up. It'll send you somewhere. YouTube, Instagram, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Check check them out, y'all. And then, as always, I'm at Miles Weber Joker. And then Heather is at Bodies by Heather on the social media. And then we're at Mad Podcast on Instagram. So make sure you give us a follow, like, and subscribe and share to help spread awareness. Uh, once again, Jay, thanks for being on, man. We appreciate yeah, you. Thank you so much. And y'all have a wonderful day, everybody watching and listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.